Welcome to Talk Flagler. You're looking to local personalities, businesses, and everything west of the beach waves. I'm your host, Joey Santos-Jones, and on this episode, we're talking to Vice Mayor and City Council Member District 3, Nick Klufus, who's in the midst of running for re-election. Quick with the wit and the digital hits, ideas that hit the roof, it's Nick Klufus. Nick, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. I greatly appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. You're a New York kid, born and raised there until you moved here as a teenager. Trying to get back into that old mindset, what was the first thing you thought when you moved here to Palm Coast? Well, allow me to set the stage a little bit. So in 2006, I graduated high school and my parents had sold our house and their businesses and they were originally from Miami. So they wanted to move back down south. And my town in New York, I was in a graduating class of 75 kids. So very small, very rural. Um, And we moved down to Florida just in a moving truck. We didn't have our eyes set on Palm Coast. I have to give all the credit to my parents. We pull off the exit into Palm Coast. Long story short, we find a home. I fall in love with Palm Coast. And in 2006, I bought the URL palmcoastmayor.com because I was so confident that Palm Coast had something that uh, was going to improve my life. And I knew that later on, I wanted to be part of Palm Coast and help improve uh, where we live, where we work. And honestly, it was because of the technology opportunities that exist down here versus where I'm from in rural upstate New York. That's pretty good foresight in uh, buying a, a political domain that early, looking to the future. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I knew back then as um, basically an 18-year-old young man that no one was going to listen to me at that point. But uh, 10 years later, I had the opportunity to run for Pumpco City Council at the age of 28. And I said, you know what, people... Uh, my my message is going to resonate now, and Palm Coast being one of 112 cities across the country that has a municipal broadband utility, meaning we can sell our own internet, we own our own fiber that runs all throughout the city, and my background in technology, I realized that this was an opportunity that's presented itself, and if I didn't seize that opportunity, I would be forever regretful, and I didn't want to live my life like that. Do you think a, a lot of politicians, uh, before they get into running, just see things around, around their neighborhood? They, they think of themselves as great communicators and maybe great negotiators. And they're like, I think I could get this to actually work for us. Yeah. And that's and it's really a lot of uh, vision for the technology aspect of it, because a lot of people aren't aware what actually goes into building infrastructure that uh, feeds our internet. Uh, high quality bandwidth, we're all familiar with how rely rely on our lives have become on having cell phone service but also having access to the internet and how much that enables students to be be successful there's a direct correlation between a student's access to quality broadband at home and their graduation rate in high school and uh, further schooling two-year degrees and four-year degrees so enabling someone's access to the world wide web is an incredible um multiplier for what they're going to be able to do in their lives. And having that type of vision because I'm in technology and understanding that I can't do my job without high quality bandwidth. And we can't have um, remote work opportunities in Palm Coast unless we offer that across the board is something that I knew not everyone is familiar with, but it's a tremendous uh, responsibility when you see something that you can improve and not everyone is looking in that direction. And I was very fortunate that people were receptive of my message and I was able to deliver it in a way that was consumable without overwhelming people. Cause that's also an issue with technology. There's a, a lot of words that don't mean much to many people. Well, uh, I was going to ask you, uh, before, before we started talking about technology, uh, if you thought Palm Coast pizza could compare with New York pizza, but let's get, let's jump into, uh, Fibernet, which was a big part of your campaign sure. in two, uh, 2016. And I think for most residents, 
uh, like you said, there's a confusion about what it is, what it offers, and where we are with that. Do you think you could elaborate on where FiberNet is? Yes, I can absolutely. And I'll give the uh, TLDR version of this and very high level. Essentially, back in 2008, um, when Palm Coast was still more rural than it is today, um, the city of Palm Coast, to connect all of our city buildings, we had to pay Spectrum about quarter million to half a million dollars a year just for our internet access. And we were trying to negotiate a lower price. And fortunately, the council at that point did something that cities across the country were not doing. We decided, hey, we can install our own fiber optic cable, which is actually just a glass tube that you send data through with pulses of light. And we can run 50 miles of that all around our city, connect all of our city buildings. And then we can connect to the railroad, uh, which has fiber that runs up to Jacksonville to the internet exchange point. And we can basically have our own internet for free. So we would save that half million dollars a year. And the investment into Palm Coast FiberNet was upwards of nine to $10 million. And we have fully repaid that um, because we had no longer had that half million dollar uh, bill at the end of each year to an internet provider. So step one was we did it so that we could have our own internet. And then step two is we have started to provide internet access to Number one, the school system. We uh, successfully bid the contract this year. Uh, I think it's the third or fourth uh, term in a row that we've been able to lock in this contract. But for $300,000 a year, we provide all of the internet access to uh, Flagler County school system, which is huge. And that has enabled us to upgrade our infrastructure, which we were on legacy systems that had basically become sunset, meaning they were no longer maintainable. And this was uh, one of my key initiatives. We needed to get the right individuals in the right positions that knew what they were doing to maintain FiberNet so that it could actually still be a profitable entity of the city, which it is today. And the next step is that we begin to offer access to residents and businesses. And we can do this because, honest to goodness, we are still an underserved community. Spectrum and AT&T don't have any competition. It's basically a duopoly. And there are many parts of Palm Coast that are still on DSL, essentially, optimized uh, copper. And <clears throat> there is definitely a market for high quality, low price bandwidth. And what I'm even more excited about is the fact that we can use it as an economic incentive. Um, so when uh, jo Joya Sales built a building over off of Hardgrove Lane, we gave them internet access for two years. Their internet bill at the end of each month was somewhere around $1,250. So the cost for us to provide them internet access was almost nil. It is so inexpensive to run fiber and provide data um, that we're basically giving them a $25,000 economic incentive, but it's only costing the city, you know, on the magnitude of $1,000 or $2,000. So instead of giving hard cash as an economic incentive, we're able to give internet access, which I'm sure you'll concur that every business that is looking to relocate is going to need. Oh, especially technology-wise, because we, we have a beautiful area, and you would think that we'd have a lot of younger companies coming here, but the first question they're going to ask is going to be you know, the capability and infrastructure to support it, especially Correct. with more people working remotely. So what do you think is the hurdles for something like this going widespread? Is it barriers with the pri private companies like Spectrum and AT&T blocking it? Or is it just we don't have the resources right now? So it's actually, uh, it you hit the nail on the head with the telecommunication companies trying to block initiatives. After 2008, there, were, there was legislation put in place that basically preempted cities from doing uh, their own fiber net. And the argument was that cities are too competitive to AT&T and Spectrum and Cox Communication at the time 
because we don't expect to immediately make a profit. So the legislation in place today is every fiber that you put into the ground has to pay for itself within four years. But since we've already put in the $10 million original infrastructure and that has fully repaid it, uh, repaid for itself, we are in a unique position where uh, these fibers that we're installing to different facilities and to uh, extend the last mile connections are totally feasible to repay themselves within that four-year period. If they don't, what happens is they go up for public auction and AT&T and Spectrum are the ones who actually buy the fiber from the cities anyway. So they have basically locked cities down to not be able to make the big initial investment, that $10 million, that takes somewhere between five to 10 years to pay back, which is where the city has already gotten our head start. So luckily, we have, we have passed that first hurdle. Second, we need to become our own ISP, and that requires talent and the right people. And we have been very fortunate to acquire um, a tremendous asset. His name is Donald Cooley, and he works at the city. He was from um, Ashland down in Oregon, and he ran the Ashland Fiber Network, AFN, and very successful. Uh, you need to have talented individuals who understand the, uh, the market and also how to extend the last mile connection so that people can actually buy and, and use our own internet. So it's a marketing plan. It's also a build out plan. And mostly it's having the right individuals in the right positions to make those kind of decisions. And having individuals who understand that fiber isn't just in their cereal. Uh, correct. Yes, that is a hard thing. There are very few people who know that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, looking back uh, uh, to, to the 2016, again, uh, one of the issues you felt that needed attention was to provide transparency in regard to city strategy and initiatives. Looking from 2016, uh, when you first got on the city council to now, how do you feel the city of Palm Coast is doing? So I'm proud to say that that is a promise made and a promise kept. The city currently has a strategic action plan, which is a five to 10 year outlook on where we're moving. Um, but each council member has input into the strategic action plan. You may also re hear it referred to as the SAP. But basically, uh, and this I have to give a lot of credit for our mayor because she was uh, a key champion of this initiative. Basically, we put out in the open everything that every council member wants to see move forward as their individual initiatives. And then as a council, we decide what are the most important and what we agree on should be put as a priority. And that's a published living, breathing document that anyone can go view on our city website. And <clears throat> it's kept up to date. Uh, for instance, one of my biggest initiatives this year through the strategic action plan um, is I'm looking to perform feasibility studies on installing solar panels and battery back, uh, battery storage infrastructure at all of our city facilities so that we can lower or eliminate our elect electricity bills. And the return on investment can be somewhere between five to eight years, which for a city is a tremendous investment. If we can put a dollar into a system that is going to return that dollar in eight years, that is a very good value for a, a city investment where we don't have many opportunities to do that type of uh, investment in ourselves. I think uh, everyone probably tried to refrain from speaking how they felt about Jim Landon during his tenure and ultimate departure. Uh, is there anything that you learned during that whole process? And what do you see right now with the relationship with uh, Matthew Morton? I did learn a lot through that whole process. And, you know, honest, honest to goodness, Jim was uh, in a good individual and he had been here, geez, for almost 10 years. And <clears throat> he was old school, if that's uh, a term that I can use uh, loosely. He, he was not... Uh, <laughs> You know, things were by the book. Um, he ran a very tight ship, but he wasn't necessarily open to change or a shift in dynamic. And as you can understand that 
trying to become an ISP and outwardly sell uh, bandwidth and doing all these technology initiatives didn't necessarily fit that old school mantra. Um, I certainly evaluated him uh, when I was elected in 2016. And, you know, it was a pretty smooth transition. Uh, Jim understood that the landscape had changed and that it was time for him to move on. And he was quite humble and thankful for his opportunity in Palm Coast. And, you know, I learned that if you give someone a chance and you're honest with them and you tell them this is the direction that you're looking to move forward with, and they tell you that, you know, they're not the best individual for that, that you can both move forward in different directions, but it, it can be amicable. And that's precisely how our city council handled that. And I was the individual who motioned to relieve Jim Landon of his duties. Um, and that was that was something that was a huge hot topic during the last election. And now that we're three years um, past that, people tend to forget that. But yeah, that was another promise made, another promise kept. I hate to ask you this question because it's, it's the quintessential job question that you usually get asked in an interview. But I think when it comes in terms of looking back at the last four years in city council as a member, it requires asking, what do you think was your biggest, biggest, biggest success as a city council member? And what do you think was your biggest failure? Sure. So my biggest success, honestly, and I can't speak individually because again, for the council, we have to have three votes to move any initiative forward. Absolutely. And um, my biggest success was being able to convince the rest of my council that becoming an ISP and investing into FiberNet was a good idea. And that's something that a lot of people were hesitant about because they didn't necessarily understand the technology impacts that we can have. Um, also, expanding cell phone coverage immediately <clears throat> when the 2016 election occurred, immediately went back to our codes and ordinances. There were systems in place that limited cell phone towers to 100 feet. And the industry standard is 150 feet tall. And that's why um, telecommunication companies would not build cell phone towers in Palm Coast because the median distribution point was too low. You need your towers basically all the same height so they can talk to one another. So immediately removing those impediments and barriers um, so that we would be receptive to cell phone towers being installed in Palm Coast it was huge. Uh, cell phone reception is still... Uh, a hot topic, but it is leaps and bounds superior than it was uh, four, four years ago. Um, so I would say that's a, a huge initiative that, you know, was very successful. We're also moving forward with the splash pad, which was an initiative that um, I brought up to accelerate uh, at Holland Park. I think that's a great opportunity for families and individuals looking to move to Palm Coast to see splash pads in action. Uh, we have a younger generation here and we have a younger generation that wants to move here, but we need to show them that we're inviting and that we're not a retirement community that we may be perceived as, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, you know, and my biggest failure, I would say that's a, that's a tough question. Perhaps, um, you know, I would like to improve our uh, public works department, but the problem is that there's only so much money in a budgetary cycle that we can allocate. And, the men and women who work at our public works facility deserve to have a proper public works facility. And we have made a 10 to 15 year commitment that we will improve our public works facility that's off over US-1. Um, I would have liked to accelerate that project uh, more quickly, but you have to be very, very aware that any raise in taxes is not going to be perceived uh, you know, fairly or no one's going to actually look behind the reasons on, hey, why do you need additional funds to, to improve uh, facilities? Well, the truth is that we have a, a public works facility that needs improvement, and I wish that we were able to accelerate that a bit more quickly. But again, at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't 
want to raise taxes just for that. So instead, we have a longer term 10 to 15 year improvement plan where we're putting funds away each year so that we're going to be able to uh, do this successfully and correctly because we don't want to, excuse my French, half-ass an implementation of a new public works facility that we're going to have to replace 15 years down the road anyway. I should have took French class in high school. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in in this re-election cycle, um, when you're trying to establish tangible goals uh, for the next four years, if you got a re-elected, um, what are you looking at that you think you and the city council and, and, and the members involved um, could achieve? And what do you think are some pie in the sky kind of goals that you think you would set for yourself? Sure. So near-term goals at <clears throat> at the end of this upcoming year, uh, assuming that I've become reelected and I'm still on our council, I want to have our feasibility report completely finished for the implementation of solar panels and battery storage packs at all of our city facilities. Our water utility um, is tremendous. It's one of the best in the state. But we also spend, I believe it's like $32,000 a month on electricity there. We have a parcel that's right next door that could house the solar panels and the battery storage equipment is not... Um, that's not a showstopper that can basically be bolted onto the side of a building, but ensuring that we can make the correct investments in technology that exists today so that we can have more funds available in our general fund. Uh, and almost immediately uh, for the next three years of my uh, term would be a huge victory for me because that way we're going to be able to do more great things for the community uh, without having to raise taxes. And that's really what my whole mantra is. Let's generate city revenue without raising taxes, or let's find ways to make investments in the city that are going to have short, medium, and long-term fiscal benefits. Uh, number two, I would say, is FiberNet. And the same reason, if we can generate revenue without increasing taxes, that just means that we're going to have more money to fund more great projects that make Palm Coast better than than another option uh, that someone may be looking to relocate or the individuals in our city are already going to be feeling the benefits of having access to high quality, high speed bandwidth for an inexpensive rate. Those are two things that I think everyone can agree on that if we make the right investments and we prioritize the right opportunities that we have in front of us, that we can generate revenue, cut expenses. And at the end of the day, we're going to have a more healthy general fund without having to raise taxes. And that's really the most important part to me is that we have opportunities where we can better ourselves by investing in ourselves. And that's that's where we should be moving. During the quarantine, it seemed a lot of people kind of discovered uh, the health bug, uh, exercising, eating right, trying to do more with themselves. And Mayor Melissa Holland uh, previously launched the Mayor's 90-90 Challenge. Uh, do you see the city doing more things like this moving forward? I do. And Honestly, public health and personal health is such a key point, especially during quarantine. Uh, we all know that being isolated is not healthy mentally and physically. Um, I think also with the diverse demographics that we have in Palm Coast, there's opportunities for a lot of interaction between different age ranges. I'm a huge pickleball player, and a lot of people will laugh at that, but you should see the age demographics at pickleball. Literally, there's a 50-year age range at pickleball, and I think that's tremendous. When we have our community coming together at different age demographics like that, there's no better sense of community um, in those type of aspects. Uh, the other thing is we have great local sports programs. The Palm Coast Little League, um, the uh, Flagler County Sheriff's Office PAL, uh, the, our soccer leagues, these are all opportunities for kids and adults to be outside in a healthy environment and breathing in fresh air and any initiatives that our parks and recreation uh, 
department can put forward would be great. We have a new Parks and Recreation Director, uh, uh, Lauren. She is tremendous. Um, she is a great public interface. I mean, everyone who I speak to uh, immediately tells me how phenomenal Lauren is to work with. And I'm thankful that we have people who are looking to be creative with ways to get people outdoors and exercising. So the mayor's 90-90 challenge is awesome. And I love to see when people post on social media. I know you're a runner. I'm a runner. We get out there. And I know that during quarantine, if this might be anecdotal, but let's see if you agree that you've seen a lot more runners and cyclists on the sidewalk. I know I have. Yeah, I uh, usually running, I, I, especially at night when it cools down, you don't see a lot of people. But during quarantine, if I did get out and uh, trying to be a safe, I definitely jumped down a lot of ditches, a lot of <laughs> a lot of steep places trying to avoid people. It was it was incredible how many people were out there just trying to get a few miles in. Absolutely. So one thing uh, we do with this podcast, and we do it with every single guest, is we play a game of sorts. If you're game for it, I'd like to play something that we're calling programming language or old cleaning product. I'm excited. Here we go. Count me in. So it's 10 questions. You, I'm going to give you the name of a product or a programming language. You simply respond with which one you think it is. At the end of it, our crack research team is going to give you your score. Are you ready? I am ready. Sudsy. Cleaning product. That is right. Yeah. Octagon. Cleaning product. That is right. Thought our research team had you on that one. Python. <laughs> Programming language. That is correct. Ivory. Cleaning product. That is right. Claire. Cleaning product. That is a programming language. Oh, I've never heard of it. Flowmatic. Flowmatic. Hmm. That could be a workflow tool, but I'm actually going to go with cleaning product. That is a programming language. Oh. Our research team, they're hard at work throughout the night, right. always trying to get give, give these tough questions. C sharp. <laughs> yes, that is a programming language. <laughs> C countdown. Yeah. A Apex. Hmm. I'm going to go cleaning product. That is a programming language. Oh, man. Clear. C-L-E-R? K-L-E-A-R. Cleaning product. That is right. And number 10, Lux, all capitalized. L-U-X? L-U-X. Hmm, this is a tough one. I'm going to go ahead and say cleaning product. That is correct. Oh, thank goodness. But, Phew, man, but, <laughs> I'm a software engineer. I can't believe I got those wrong. Unbelievable. <laughs> tireless minutes went into putting this list together. <laughs> Let, let's look at the research team. What, what, what's the final score? You got a 7 out of 10. That is, that is a respectable score for this game. Fair, fair. Okay, understood. I appreciate it. So, some, some people say this is, this is the hardest game that you could possibly play in Flagler County. I would tend to agree with That's what complete I've heard. bias. That's too. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows that. <laughs> so I uh, want to thank you again for, for being on the show, Nicholas. We'd love to have you again, obviously, when the campaign starts uh, rolling along. And if you have any plugs, this is your time to do it. Absolutely. No, and I would just like to say thank you, Joey, for having me on. I think this is a tremendous platform, and I'm really encouraged that individuals like yourselves are getting involved, not only in the political scene, but also in Flagler County. The more uh, energy that we can uh, invigorate our county with 
the better. There's no there's no time like the present and you are seizing the moment. So I just want to thank you and I'd like to thank all your listeners. And I'd also like to say vote Nick Klufus for Palm Coast City Council District 3. I've served for four years. I'd like one more term and that's the maximum term limit. You can only serve twice. Uh, I still have initiatives that I'm moving forward and I'm doing good things for uh, the city of Palm Coast and I'm looking forward to being your representative for the next four years. So Joey, thank you very much and I greatly appreciate it. Well, we appreciate all the kind words. And it, it reminds me of one thing that I was going to let uh, basically leave you off the hook on is Palm Coast. How does it, how's it, how does it pizza compare to New York? So I'm from upstate New York, not necessarily the same thing, but I love Tony's Pizza, Joe's, Mezzaluna, uh, Manny's is another favorite of mine. I pretty much would uh, consider myself a Florida pizza native now, but to me, there's no bad slice of pizza. Attaboy. That, that's the kind of answer I would expect from a politician. <laughs> and for us, you can find us on askflagler.com, launching June 29th, your newer news website for Flagler County. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, hit that forward slash askflagler. And if you'd like to be on the podcast, reach out to our email podcast at askflagler.com. It doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are, we want to hear your story. For the AskFlagler.com team, the Talk Flagler podcast, and our guest, Nick Klufus, I'm Joey Santos-Jones. Thanks for listening.